This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind-the-scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. I was recently visiting some old podcast episodes, and I found a few gem moments in our conversations that I want to replay for you now and just elaborate on a little bit. The first one that really stood out to me was a conversation I had back in June with Amy Sheridan. And we were talking about something that really hits the nail on the head when it comes to issues and challenges that we all face as entrepreneurs. And that is this really unique experience that I think us entrepreneurs have that people who go into regular corporate or salaried jobs just don't necessarily brush up against as much. And that is the experience of doing something new over and over and over again. It feels like as an entrepreneur, I am pushing myself off of a cliff almost daily, having to grow wings on the way down. And that's by design. As an entrepreneur, we are constantly growing as people and also looking for ways to evolve our businesses. Because if your business is not growing and changing and evolving, then it's going to be stale and stagnant and you're going to go out of business. And growth is not just about profit or revenue. It's about rolling with the punches, changing with the times. Just imagine if you refused to learn about social media at all, if you refused to make a profile on Facebook or on Instagram. You may not be a prolific social media marketer right now, but you understand the platforms. You have been on them before. Just imagine if you didn't know that that existed. What do you think that would do to your business? You have to grow and evolve with times because these days technology is changing constantly. Marketing is changing constantly. And if you're not able to adapt, if you don't get comfortable with change, your business is going to go out of business at some point. And as somebody who does a lot of marketing, I am at the forefront of all of this. I'm constantly trying new things and changing and having to let go of things that I've learned and I'm really, really good at because it's becoming outdated. And to be perfectly honest, it's pretty nerve wracking sometimes. I mean, doing something new is always a challenge. You're by definition doing something that you've never done before. You're not going to be very good at something the first time around. You're very likely going to make mistakes. You're very likely going to fail at it. But if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have to brush yourself off and get up and do it again until you figure it out. And that's just not an easy position to be in. But as entrepreneurs, we have to get comfortable with that state of being. I actually think that it's the practice of trying new things and getting comfortable with the act of being in a new situation all the time and getting comfortable with the fact that failure is just part of the job description. I think it's what makes somebody a great entrepreneur is getting comfortable being in that uncertainty. Because if you let those failures beat you down emotionally or mentally or even physically, if you let those experiences keep you down and take all of your energy, you'll never have the strength to get back up and try something new again. And then your business will not succeed. 
Now, as you may know, I recently launched yet another program where I am teaching people our whole worst of all design agency model. I am teaching the no BS agency model. This is the model that Steve and I built over many years where we stripped away all the BS of how most agencies run. We got rid of the long ongoing projects. We got rid of all the project management. We got rid of the proposals. We got rid of all the free work and the pitching, all the back and forth that really wasn't making the value of the project any better. And we started focusing solely on intensives, our brand up process. Well, so now I'm teaching all of these amazing small agencies who are brilliant at what they do, but don't necessarily have a no BS process in which to deliver it. I'm teaching them our process because this process can be taken by anyone and you can put your own genius, your own creative work, your own strategic work into our process. But the process itself will allow you to do more of what you love and get rid of all that BS. So anyway, I'm working with all of these new amazing small agencies, and I have to remember to take a step back and remember what it was like before I could gracefully talk about my process, gracefully talk about what the brand shrink is and why it's valuable, tell people why doing an intensive format will actually benefit them, explain to prospects why I don't do proposals, all of that is really easy for me now because I have had that conversation a bajillion times. But when I first started talking about this, I didn't have that confidence. I built that confidence through repetition. Because the first time you do anything, you're going to be a newbie. And it's going to be uneasy. And you're going to be in uncharted territories for yourself. And I'm teaching people how to do something that, frankly, most people don't even think this is possible. They don't think it's possible to eliminate the proposal and sell something up front. They don't think it's possible to do a whole creative project in a couple of days and have a client be over the moon happy about the results. And so here I am telling them, yes, it's absolutely possible because I've done it. But I have to keep reminding myself that until you've actually experienced it, until you've done this new thing enough times to experience it yourself, you're not going to be that confident out of the gate. And what I'm trying to remind everybody I'm coaching and everyone that's listening right now is that it is through the process of repetition, doing something over and over and over again, where you build that confidence and that skill. I mean, there's nothing like it. And you can't bypass this experience. You just have to do something over and over again in order to get better at it. And nobody is immune to that. Anybody who is an expert at what they do, who is excellent at their craft, the Oscar-winning actors on stage, the most famous celebrities, these amazingly talented people, they are all people who failed a billion times. There's this famous quote, I think it's by Michael Jordan. You know, he's famous for having taken the most game-winning shots. He said, he's also taken more losing shots than anybody else. And what he's saying is you're only going to shoot the most winning shots if you're willing to take all the other shots that you miss. You have to be willing to throw those impossible shots and not get it because once in a while you do. And that's how you're Michael Jordan. And this is just a perfect metaphor on how to run a business, too. You got to be willing to take those shots. You got to be willing to miss them. And that's okay because it's only by taking those long shots that you're going to hit those winning shots and have success. 
And what's so beautiful about that whole experience of trying things that are scary, that are new, and getting up and doing it again and again, even when you might have setbacks or failures, is that it's not win or lose. There are so many wins along the way. Like, for example, I was a terrible writer when I first started writing my blog so many years ago. Those first few articles, I'm, they're not up anymore, but, you know, they're terrible. I was just trying things and it was scary to put it out there. And it was embarrassing, frankly, when I looked back on them and I realized I need to take these down right now. But I heard someone say recently, if you're not embarrassed by your old work, it just means that you're not growing. You want to be embarrassed by your old work. Isn't that just lovely that we, we are hoping to be embarrassed by the work we are doing now in the future. Anyway, I was terrible when I first started, but I got better with practice and I wrote a ton. And eventually I wrote a book, right? Eventually I got a Forbes column and I have written now hundreds of articles, but there was so much in between. There were so many wins in between. The thousands of people that I've helped along the way, the hundreds of clients that I've worked with along the way before I had those bigger milestones that you can recognize. So don't be scared to try those new things and fail and keep going because you are going to have those wins as you go along and you will just get better with that repetition. Entrepreneurship is about getting comfortable with uncertainty and getting comfortable with the fact that your job as an entrepreneur is to continually put yourself in new situations where you don't know a lot about what you're doing and be willing to try things and be okay that they might not work. And that is the mental game. It's tough. But the more you do it, the more you get comfortable with that challenge as well. And the more comfortable you get with that uncertainty, I think that's what makes you a better entrepreneur. But it can also have a really positive effect on your experience of life in general. I remember when the pandemic hit last year, I had a lot of friends who are not entrepreneurs and they are very uncomfortable with change. And I noticed it. I noticed how my entrepreneurial friends were more adaptable to the changing environment. They were more used to not knowing how things were going to pan out. They were also nervous and scared, but they were quick to their feet to say, okay, now that the situation has changed, what are we going to do next? How are we going to pivot? Because it wasn't that different from how their normal state of being is. My friends who are used to a salaried job and a certain way of life that is very certain Anything that disrupts that certainty is going to be really scary because you're not used to having to constantly roll with the punches. I also found that some of these friends had a hard time knowing if they were okay or not because they're not used to having to decide if they're doing okay on their own. As entrepreneurs, we don't have a boss over us telling us that we did a good job or not. We have to tell ourselves. That's a lot of uncertainty as well. We have to evaluate if we're doing well or not. Every day, we come up with new plans. We follow those plans. We watch what other people are doing. We read books. We hire coaches. We take programs. I love to ingest information. But ultimately, I'm the one who has to steer this ship. I'm the one who has to decide what next idea I'm going to pursue. There's nobody there telling me if it's a good idea or not. 
And even if there is, even if I'm working with a coach or or I'm talking to a colleague and they, they have an a, a idea of what I should or shouldn't be doing, ultimately the decision is on me and it's my responsibility. And that is a lot of responsibility and creates a lot of uncertainty. Nothing is certain in business, nothing. And the sooner we get comfortable with that, I think the stronger we are as business owners. Because if you're uncomfortable with uncertainty, then you're going to have a fear about trying new things. And that fear of jumping into something new is the very thing that might hold you back. It might hold you back from trying the very thing that would make your business stronger and more successful and help you get what you ultimately want. So consider this a PSA today to tell you that you cannot cut the line. You cannot download matrix style to your brain, how to do something that you've never done before and avoid all failure and mistakes. Everyone that does something new is going to be new at that at first. And that's okay. That's life. So whatever that thing is that you're struggling with or working on right now, remember that it's the practice and the repetition and just the showing up and staying committed that will help you get those wins. And you've got to celebrate those wins every time. Every little win, every big win. Celebrate them because it shows your progress. And remember that if you are an entrepreneur and you are going to stay an entrepreneur, you're always going to be trying something new. There's always going to be a new mountain to climb. Every time I get to the top of a mountain, I just look at the next mountain and how I'm at the bottom of that one. And that can be scary and daunting, but that's also such a beautiful part of entrepreneurship. And even though constantly changing and evolving is more challenging, I find that it also slows time down a little bit, makes you appreciate and enjoy life more. Like when I think about the last 10 years, I don't think, oh my God, where did the time go? I think about how much stuff Steve and I have done in the last 10 years. I mean, an amazing amount of stuff because every few months, it feels like we're always evolving and adapting and changing. And even though we've stayed in the same general vicinity of a business, we're always looking for the new thing and reinventing and trying new things. And that puts us on our toes, but it also enriches our lives. As soon as I got our agency working, I turned around and said, okay, I want to make an online course. As soon as I got the online course working, I said, okay, I want to write a book. Then it was the TED Talk. Then it was the podcast. Then why not? Every time I do something new, there's always another opportunity to learn something. And as challenging as each of those were, and believe me, I had hair pulling experiences in all of them, they also kept my life fresh and interesting And I learned so much from every single experience, but I had to be okay with jumping into it. When I did the TED Talk last year, man, I struggled at points. Just wrapping my head around, what am I really trying to do here? What do I want this to be? There was so much pressure. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I have so many great lessons that I learned from it and I can apply those to the next mountain that I climb. So I want to play this clip from my conversation with Amy Sheridan now. I hope you enjoy it. A big part of the exercise was starting to write for myself. And that was something that you challenged me to do. I think the conversation went something like, 
well, you know what you have to do. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I do know what I have to do. And you said, and you know how to do it. So start doing it. So, I mean, I remember the day that I clicked publish for the first time on an article that was written by me for me, as opposed to an article that was written for a client. I don't know if you remember the first time you ever bid on something on eBay. <laughs> like a million years ago, I remember sitting at my parents' house like, I'm going to bid on this snowboard and it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to put in this offer. And I think I literally clicked submit and I fell off my chair because I was just like, <laughs> had so much adrenaline, you know, and... Which is so crazy because you had published so many articles before that. It's such a yeah. different thing on your own blog. It's I mean, so different. Funny to watch, even. <laughs> yeah, it's so different. Saying here, here's me and my inner thoughts. You know, <laughs> and hope you like it. You know, mm -hmm. like because there's always the thing. I might work with somebody in the sports business who I call a decorated leader. They have won awards. They have spoken at conferences, but they have never been on a podcast. They have never written in their own article. They're like, whoa, I can't do that. You know, how could I just put myself out there like that? It's that moment where you're just scared, you know, and it's that again, leaning into that fear and pushing the publish button and being like, oh, wait, like nobody even gives a shit. No one's going to see know? this article unless I tell them <laughs> no, to read it. <laughs> right. Like no one cares. So, you know, over time, you just, it becomes natural. And then, you know, I would write and I would write something and I would see, oh, there's a little bit of response on that. There's some traction on that. And some people like that. Oh, so as you do more and more of the writing right out of your playbook, Pia, is, you know, your clients will gravitate toward you and the people that aren't your clients won't. And that's fine. But the more you market and write and make your value proposition clear to those people that need your service, the easier the whole thing becomes. And now when I sit down to write a blog post, it's like writing itself. I, I can't even explain it. It just kind of spills onto the page and I publish. Like it, it's not a week long thing anymore. It's like a, an hour long thing. So that's been really exciting for me. And, you know, just being able to write for the people that I want to work for and the people that I am working for. But it's a process. It took, it took, well, I guess ultimately it took what, like almost a year? With so many wins along the way. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. It's this process and it both takes a long time and not because all along the way you were closing clients and figuring it out, right? Yes. Yes. Learning from each client. Some of them, again, going into the your model, creating a lead product, selling a lead product. I remember the first time I sold one was sort of in the middle of our, our engagement. And every time I would sell a lead product, maybe that person converted into a paying customer after that. Maybe they didn't. But each time I sold anything... I was taking note of the one or two little gems that I could take to the next customer or mm. maybe even to the next new product that I would offer. Mm. So it's just kind of listening, constantly listening to those people that you're dealing with to be like, well, maybe they need this instead of that. And how much would I charge for that? So, mm. yeah, I love that. And, and you, again, like you can't, you can't figure that stuff out in a vacuum. The reason no. you were able to get that information is because you were both confidently and also scared sometimes putting it out there, offering them this lead product. I remember because 
that first one, it's like before that you had never sold it. You're like, oh no, they bought it. (laughs) Now I have to do it. Yeah. And I think the night before or the day before I was pitching it, we were changing what it was going to look like. And I remember Donahue saying that the word that she would use to describe me was attack. And I remember, (laughs) I just remember laughing because I was like, well, this is how I got to be because I don't want to waste time. I want to get from point A to point B. I think you call it the impatient entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I want to figure out what works as quickly as I possibly can. Yes. And um, figuring out what works is also figuring out what doesn't work. I mean, that is just part mm-hmm. of figuring out what works. Yeah. So, so you, right. So you started in sports tech. I think at one point you expanded out to just marketing in general. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. at one point you were like, maybe I should just do marketing for everyone. And then <laughs> quickly reined that back in. <laughs> so where did you end up landing now? I do content strategy for sports business leaders. I elevate their profiles through uh, owned, earned, and paid media. So a strategic blend of the three. Mm. And so I will go out there and represent... It could be a female CEO who has founded her own company in the business of sports who needs to get a little bit more exposure, maybe needs to start a blog, maybe, you know, wants to be on podcasts or, you know, even get up on stage. But somebody that is a decorated leader in the sports business who doesn't have a personal brand per se, doesn't know what their unique branding proposition is and, you know, doesn't really kind of see it this way that they have a really unique perspective to offer. I kind of coach them on how to build that narrative and use that narrative to gain exposure in the media, to elevate their profile, right? Especially now, people in the sports business, many of them have been you know, found themselves out of a job. You know, we're saying, you know, there's, there's free agents all over the place in the sports business because we haven't seen a live sporting event (laughs) go on now for a couple of months. And we don't know when it will return. We don't know when we'll watch a football game with fans in the seats again, everything has changed. And so now, you know, the message is you may have a job, you may not have a job, but I think all things considered, investing in your personal brand is really valuable because if you can get out there and have a voice in the media, on your own platform, that's something that holds you up in difficult times. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can have a carved out reputation, you're more likely to land on your feet at the end of this uncertainty because people have been hearing from you. Like you've had a voice, you've been putting yourself out there. So that's it. Very high level, elevating brands and professionals in the business of sports through content. Mm. And I have to point out a few brilliant things about that. And it's it makes a lot of sense that you've landed here, at least for now. But also because you were willing to put yourself out there, Mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and started mm-hmm. writing mm-hmm. and marketing and putting yourself and your ideas out there. You are uniquely positioned to advise on this. I mean, very mm-hmm. uniquely because, you know, marketing gets much smaller when it goes sports marketing and then gets much smaller when it goes personal brand sports marketing. And I think a lot of people try to advise on 
branding or personal branding specifically, and they won't go into a niche. So just personal branding. So that already, I mean, you're really owning this niche because why would I ever hire a personal branding person if I'm in sports? I would hire you. I mean, is there anyone else in that focus even? Not that I'm aware of. (laughs) No, you own it. Wonderful. But, (laughs) But not only that, your efforts to build your reputation and your marketing Every single time you do something that's building your business, you are also simultaneously making yourself so much more skilled and valuable to your clients. You've got this great focus that allows you to like, you could just spend all your time marketing yourself because that makes you more powerful for your clients. I mean, those are always very nice ecosystems, I think. (laughs) It is. I mean, it's like there's this sort of like matrix. Mm -hmm that exists where the more I grow my business and my audience, the more content I produce, the more powerful my marketing and distribution channel becomes. So if someone comes on and works with me and I am promoting their business to my network and my distribution channel, I am more powerful Mm. for them. And they get that sort of boost from my network you know, by just coming in and working with me. I didn't even think of that. That's another layer on top of it. Matrix of like marketing power. And then, you know, of course, if they see me doing it and they see me doing things like this, you know, being on your podcast and being on other podcasts and interviewing high level influencers in sports, if they see me doing that, then they know it's attainable for them. Mm -hmm. They know that it's possible for them. And I think, of course, there's the hurdle of people getting over the fear that we talked about earlier, like, well, I could never do what she's doing. The thing is, they can, right? They just have to kind of saddle up and get ready to push publish and get comfortable with that. And I think in my experience, the comfort level thing happens pretty quickly. And I'm not saying that anybody can go out there and write a really great article, because I don't think that that's something that everybody can do or would would want to do. But one of the main tentpoles of a lot of my marketing lately is that anybody can talk. And right now we're living in a world where if you can get on a podcast, or you can get on stage, or you can interview somebody and talk, just literally talk, then that's a marketing channel in and of itself. So that's a great way to start becoming a thought leader. And there's been a lot of little wins here and there for me and my business over the course of this two-month COVID disaster, whatever you want to call it. I mean, a lot of wins going on because in the sports industry, all we can really do right now is talk. Mm. We're not watching live sports. So we're talking to each other. We're talking to people across the media. You know, the media as a whole is really interested right now in what the sports industry is doing because people love to watch their sports. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So for me, my job became easier to say, hey, why don't you talk to this thought leader who I'm working with about how sponsorship has changed and will change after we get out of the woods here. And it would be like immediately, yes, we want to talk to that person. So there's this high demand right now for the, the thought leadership. Yeah. I mean, you're going gangbusters. I sent out an email like a week or two into it about an article I wrote, is it okay to sell right now? And you wrote back, yeah, I just sent out two emails in the past five days, each contained an offer. And I 
got three calls booked. So (laughs) I was like, well, I guess it's okay then. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's okay. I just blogged about this. It's okay if you're being empathetic. Yeah. (laughs) If you're saying, okay, is what I'm offering right now helpful? And if not, well, I can't sell that, but how can I tweak it and sell something that is helpful right now? And that's being nimble, right? It's like just kind of like reading your market and reading your people. And yeah, I mean, it was a little bit scary to send out an offer that mm-hmm. had like a price tag on it. Yeah. I, I, I flip-flopped a little bit and actually I sent the offer email to one of my close friends in the business and I said, please read this and please tell me if you have an adverse reaction to seeing the price. And she wrote me back. She's like, no this is perfect. Send it out. I was like, okay, if you think this is okay, then I'm going. And I hit it and I pushed send and yeah, I got some good responses. So, you know, I mean, I could have totally fell on my face, but again, I just, what would have happened if you had fallen on your face, you know, maybe I would have irritated a few people, but they probably aren't my client. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love that you had the balls to do that. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that clip from episode six with Amy Sheridan, badass that she is. I'm going to have to invite her back to catch up soon and see what she's up to now. Next week, I'll be revisiting another amazing clip from an amazing episode with my friend who is a copywriter talking about how to find your voice in your brand. So tune in for that. In the meantime, if you know other entrepreneurs who could benefit from hanging out with us, please share this podcast with them. And of course, click subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss another episode of Show Your Business Who's Boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. 